This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, brought to you by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. Orbition Group is delighted to bring this podcast series, which boasts some of the most high-profile data, analytics, and AI thought leaders from across the globe. Each episode details the journey to the top of our industry's most respected leadership figures while bringing unique insights drawn from first-hand experience on the industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, experiences and ideas to inspire, innovate and give back to the global data and analytics community. So sit back, relax and enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Driven by Data podcast. Today, I am joined by James Miller, who is currently the Head of Data Analytics and Insight at Into. So James, thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure, Kyle. Uh, thanks for having me. No problem at all. So look, really, um, I guess, intrigued to kind of get into what this topic is going to be, because I think it's going to be extremely relevant and very insightful for uh, for a lot of people. But I guess before we do that, why don't you give us a bit of an introduction into you know your background and, and journey to date? Of course, I, I try not to go on too long because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been counting up and I've got 20 years now in date. It's, it's going to bore a few people, but I will, I, I'll be... I'll be <laughs> I'll be brief as I can, but um, actually I started my life in retail um, and I actually started life as a buyer for a short period of time. So starting that commercial area and probably realized that I was quickly really, really ill-suited to that to that role. <laughs> um, but I, I very quickly moved into data uh, after about two years in buying. Um, and he said, I'm a retailer through and through. So I started, um, say, God, well, 20 years ago, um, really in kind of location analytics and customer analytics. And, and and I'm sounding old now, but back then, 20 years ago, kind of location analytics in for retailers was really kind of the, almost the first form of proper customer analytics. So did that. Um, and then I kind of moved up the rank, uh, ended up leading, the, um, putting in place the kind of first insight and customer analytics team at Dixon's Retail quite a way, you know, more than 10 years ago now, which was which was fantastic because that was in many ways, we're going to talk about today, kind of a greenfield situation. And I was the head of head, head of a location analytics and insight there. And then actually I moved uh, moved on and from sort of gamekeeper to poacher, I'm afraid, um, when, I became, uh, when I became a consultant uh, at Experian. Who, You're starting to sound like me now, apologizing for your job. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to do that a lot as a consultant. <laughs> <laughs> so we uh so back back then i mean experience was a great place actually uh for me because the reason i went there was i could work on data strategy for umpteen brands and you know as a team there we worked on data strategy analytics customer analytics insight and actually location planning again for you know innumerable global brands um all around kind of uh omnichannel marketing as well and target marketing and, and what have you so, which, so that was great. And I led the consulting function there for best part of six to seven years. Um, and then I ended up working with Edwina Dunn and Clive Humby, who probably know, need no introduction to most data people will be listening mm-hmm. to this podcast, at their second business school, Star Count. Um, and I was one of, the, one of the leadership team there for two years, uh, set up a data strategy consulting sort of function and also again my old school location analytics function as well which i've never got away from geography <laughs> um and then as, as you mentioned then lastly i i then came on to into in july 2019 to set up the company's first data analytics function uh and that kind of brings us around around, around to where we are now but as a kind of a person i mean the things that describe me is i'm a retailer by heart so i absolutely love customer consumer decision making um, I'm a geographer, hence you did uh, all that geographical stuff mm-hmm. that I've been for years and years. And I'm a kind of a bit of a weird hybrid. So I'm I kind of a, I'm a very commercial person because I've been a consultant for so long, yet also sort of beginning my life as a technical lead as well. I kind of blend the two. So I kind of sit mm-hmm. across the two areas really. Nice. Yeah, I guess hugely important into today's world from a leadership standpoint with, um, I guess, everything that we've been discussing around, you know, the, the commercial nuances of the role and what the role should entail, but also being able to have, you know, at least an appreciation and experience of the of the technical aspects. So interesting. Um, okay, then, so I, I guess most people will probably 
know or have heard about Intu's situation, but why don't you give us a bit of a, I guess, an insight into to kind of you know what your role has been there, and I guess you know the, the where where things are at with that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I imagine most people know what Intu are. It's the kind of you know one point of FTSE two fifty business and you know, the UK's largest retail property organization. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about you know, where we are in a, in, a, in a second, but kind of key reason I, I went to it into was, um, again, and we're going to talk about kind of greenfield data strategy in a moment. It's a great opportunity to go to a business which needed data-driven decision-making. Um, now, into has, uh, well, so it had 17 of the biggest sort of shopping malls, shopping centers, to sound more English. Mm-hmm. in the uk um and you know around around sort of 400 million visits per year and from about 30 million people so a big organization uh a, a really kind of large consumer platform really um so for me it was a great opportunity to kind of go in and apply that consumer focused analytics to drive decisions across across the piece so when it comes to kind of marketing but all the way through to um the, the general business analytics. So I came in there in say in July 2019. We put a team in very quickly. Uh, we put a, a roadmap, a data strategy roadmap in very, very fast because even before the crisis into, you know, it was, it, was, uh, it had its challenges. Um, but we did some great stuff around modeling sustainability of leases, which is a real niche for the property mm-hmm. nerds out there. Um, and sort of a really interesting piece of work, we started predicting the digital halo of shops. Um, you know, so how, you know, what value does a shop drive for a, its digital brand, digital business? So lots of really, really good stuff. Um, but and unfortunately, uh, you know, to use the, the the word the word that's been used most this year unprecedented it has been a really really challenging year for all of for many of us mm-hmm. um and and particularly for retail um and as, as you know with retail we're going into lockdown earlier this year it had a massive impact on a lot of people and i'm afraid and i'm not there's never a lot of sympathy for landlords but there was a big there's a big impact on on landlords as well and and that unfortunately pushed us as a business over over the edge, actually, um, and put us into administration process, which I'm still part of for a short period of time now. Right. Well, that's uh, obviously never nice to hear. I guess I'd be keen to hear your thoughts because you mentioned, you know, a retailer at heart, and I guess what what this situation we find ourselves in with COVID has done with a lot of things from a digital standpoint has just sped everything up. You know, even things like um organization's ability to function from home you know even traditional businesses that had no policies around that it was flipped on its head overnight and they had no choice and they and it kind of just happened so it's it's kind of expedited that process you know that may have taken another five ten years possibly you know to happen in in a matter of days weeks months from your perspective being in the retail space for so long because obviously you know it's been no secret that the the retail space from a you know high street retail physical premises and shops has has probably started to to dwindle but what's your experience of that being like and i guess um obviously the results from an into perspective you know probably speak as loud as, as it needs to be spoken but um you know what's that journey been like for you to be able to to see that and, and those impacts it's, it's it's a really good question, and, and and I think you're right. I think this year has has hastened pre-existing trends, um, and obviously, you know, the working from home trend, as you, as you mentioned already, was one of the clearest ones there, and that was enforced working from home because people had a little option. But the technology was already there, and for the you know, despite a few weird Zoom calls over the past few months, <laughs> it pretty much held up. Yeah. Um, you know, so so, and that's has fundamentally i think change change that dynamic there in terms of working um but in retail as well it hastened it hastened those pre-existing trends so you know i'm a i've been working in i would say omni-channel retail for a long time um and you know i'll give you a few examples the likes of next for example who are very very strong omni-channel operators so they've got a very healthy mix of store and digital business it was those organisations that have been investing in that for a long time, um, and they have, they have, you know, ridden the the wave actually 
um okay they, they've been affected like everyone else but brands like that have done quite well now clearly the, the pure play the e-commerce brands they you know the amazons of this world and so on have done exceptionally well as well but i still personally think there's a really important place for physical retail um but in a different form and and what we were seeing and what we're actually working on into was evolved an evolved retail format so we're all we're all very aware that retail itself was you know, stores themselves are slightly less important than they used to be because of the mix of channels. However, they are still incredibly important on the consumer's journey to purchase. Uh, and, and it was those retailers that were doing some great work around where it might be click and collect or kind of in actually fostering showrooming, you know, yeah. and really tapping into that through, through digital applications um, have stood to kind of come out of this, I hope, this crisis, I think stronger there will be those retailers that do fail because they hadn't invested in their digital capabilities and what you mentioned before is that there are a lot of organizations now in the retail space and consumer space particularly who are investing very very heavily in digital transformation and obviously the great great thing for data get data people is that you know it doesn't you can't do that without data so um it's really i think retail is a really interesting place at, at the moment and what i would say is we have seen this kind of drive for localism. So, you mm. know, high streets for a yeah. long time suffered. But with people living more local lives, there is actually a place for better local retail, local distribution networks and so on. So I would say over time, we're going to see actually, I mean, controversially, some people might not agree with me, a slight renaissance of some of the local retailing, mm. but also things like, you know, ship from store, and, and local distribution, which kind yep. of blends, makes makes the e-commerce work for local networks, local communities, yep. and so on. Hmm. Yeah. No, that's. Um, I mean, it's it's really interesting, and I think, um, as you said, there's definitely been a focus on you know, uh, and an appetite to to buy locally. And as you said, you know, for the last six months, no one's been able to leave the house, so you haven't yeah. had much option, have you? But um, right. but yeah, I think. Um, I think I think you're probably right there in terms of what that may mean moving forward. You know, to have more local presences from a from a physical retail perspective. So, so I guess to to jump into the the meat of today's topic, then, and obviously something that you're extremely experienced in. Um, we hear this term greenfield used uh, an awful lot, um, especially in the the data analytics world. Um, I guess first question to kind of frame it then um what, what's the reality of a greenfield situation for most companies who are starting on that data analytics journey as in what do they have versus what do they not have because i guess it's used quite broadly you know in, in some senses yeah it's, and, and in, i think you're right in actually reality it's quite rare to find a true greenfield situation so you'll get a true greenfield situation you know i if we take that analogy from from, from building land of construction um, in a startup, for example. Yep. We've not touched it before. And actually in those situations, the job is that much more straightforward because, uh, you know, I mean, uh, in my days of consulting, we'd consult for startups as well who were just getting into it. And obviously they don't have any legacy. They don't have a, they don't, they often do not have a, perhaps an older culture that needs to get on board with data and so on. But yeah, so I think Greenfield is is, 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 is kind of rare, really, um, in, a, in a way, because most businesses have data, they have some form of analytics. You know, it's all, it might be all Excel spreadsheets. There might be stuff stuck on a in SQL Server somewhere. But uh, th- th- they have that. I mean, for me, what, what Greenfield really means is there isn't a data strategy. So there's no commanding master strategy that provides a vision to turn that uh, to take data from its kind of raw material and resource into decision making, but um, I mean, what I, I tend, I mean, my sort of my years of consulting, what I tend to find is there's kind of common common themes that you'll find in a greenfield situation, and it is again because there's not a decent data strategy in place, and you know, and you'll have probably have, have seen these things before, but you know, when, when people don't trust their data which is a very common situation, you know, and, you know, they may have even gone to the, gone the whole way through with something like Power BI to do their data visualizations and still don't trust the outputs because they haven't got any governance in play, yeah. for example. Mm-hmm. Um, there may be, you know, very obvious customer problems, 
So by that, I mean, you know, serious customer complaints or shopping cart abandonment for e-commerce operators. So they're often vacations. They're like the canary in the mine, really, for a data problem. Yeah. Um, you know, there are other, other challenges around people just not knowing its value. Um, and people will, they either ignore it or um, they, they, you know, they, you hear it very often. Well, we just don't know what it means. We don't know how we use it. We don't know, we don't know how this will change our world. Um, and then you've got huge issues like who owns it, who, who's, or who's responsible for it, or we can't use it. We don't know what we've got. And actually, the, great, the greatest thing for me in terms of, I suppose, that, um, you know, when the red light goes off is a gut feel culture. Um, and that, that really says it all because there's nothing wrong with, I mean, we need to use expertise and experience in our decision making, but we do need to use some data to base that expertise and experience on. Um, and often, I must say, and I must sound, sound pretty cynical here, perhaps, but when you hear people wrap things up saying, saying things like, our culture is very entrepreneurial or very creative, it often means it's just gut feel and you're winning mm-hmm. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, I mean, that makes com- complete sense, I guess, because as you say, unless you're talking about a startup that, you know, has has literally done nothing you know, they're going to have some data somewhere, you know, if they're, especially if they're selling products or services, they, they've got some form of data. But I guess from a data analytics capability standpoint, what we're talking about from a greenfield perspective is almost that that conscious decision that they're going to try and use data analytics to drive business um, and and be at the start of that journey. Okay, that, that makes complete sense. Yeah. So I guess... Going back to one of your kind of key areas of expertise then around data strategy, um, tying that in to, you know, the whole greenfield environment then in in, in that kind of space, what, what does that mean in, in terms of data strategy and, you know, yeah. in, in that greenfield point of view? Yeah, absolutely. Because um, it's, it's, it's interesting because data strategies do oddly mean different things to different people. Um, and, and I think I've, one thing to point out is that no – no two day strategies are going to be the same, um, and for good reason because they 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 are linked and designed to enable your business strategy, which shouldn't necessarily be the same in two different co- in two different companies. But uh, you know, my, my kind of view of this is you know your day strategy is a vision. Um, uh, it, it's most most simple. It's a vision how you as an organisation are going to use your data to drive your business outcomes, and as those business outcomes which are absolutely critical. So I'll probably talk about it a, a, a bit later, but aligning your your day strategy to, you know, proper use cases that drive business outcomes is, is the absolute key. Uh, and, and that's what that vision is about. That vision is about understanding what value can we drive? You know, what is it? Is it customer acquisition? We need to, we need to find another million customers or we need to make cost efficiencies in our systems or whatever it might be. But it has to be very much aligned to that. And then if you step down a bit, you know, what's inside a data strategy? Well, it is effectively a framework, um, a framework or process and a plan which takes through how we are going to harness those data resources to, to land that vision. You know, and that's, I mean, that's not too different for anyone's description of a strategy, is it really? <laughs> At the end of the day, it just happens to be around data. Yeah. Um but it's um, you know it will differ we say between organisations um, how they approach it. But I think that again, what day strategy needs to be is a kind of a living and breathing, not just a document, but a living and breathing program of work. So it's something that would you know allows you as a data lead to explain to the rest of the business why you're there, <laughs> but also how you're going to change that business, how you're going to transform it, and people only will understand that by saying, well, we are going to help you make whatever it might be an extra 40 million pounds because we're going to unlock a a particular customer problem for example and that's when people understand that that's where you kind of start to get that buy-in and then it becomes then a a document that will help you you know drive investment around the tools and the kit and the people and the capabilities that you need to land all of that you know it's not a tech-led piece of work it's all about business first Mm -hmm. is what i'd say yeah Interesting. Okay, so we're talking about then from the from the highest level, it's something that supports the bigger 
picture from a business vision perspective um, in terms of a goal or objective. And, and then beneath that, it's basically the framework which allows that to happen ultimately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I'd say that's, you know, any any strategy is like that. The one thing with a, um, I, I've learned with day strategy, early days, you can get a bit academic on it and, you know, here it is. Here's, here's the uh, here's the artifact. Now people don't want to see an artifact. They want to see <laughs> something that you know is a, comes living and breathing. Yeah. Um, so uh, an example, actually, when I was into our data strategy, became a certain project with a code name, as they often do. But I had no intention of that project ever dying. So you know, where some projects might be for a couple of years, this one was forever. Yeah. Well, yeah. And we know <laughs> that's a bit ironic, <laughs> but. <laughs> It would have been, you know, so yeah. it's a, and it has been in the companies we've consulted with as well. It's about actually developing something which iterates, yeah, you know, and that's when the likes of agile come in, in into play when you're running these kind of projects to make mm-hmm. sure you iterate it along yeah. the way. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Okay, so there's a big emphasis in there on on this being a a kind of constant and a, and a consistent kind of thing, if you want to yes. call it that. You know, throughout, yeah. it's something that kind of never stops effectively um and i'm sure yeah, it, it should, you know, gets it should change and updated and yeah. so on and so forth yeah yeah absolutely yeah okay. it should certainly change but 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 you don't you don't want it to be monolithic for sure mm-hmm. yeah people won't buy into it <laughs> so i guess you're starting from scratch or almost from scratch as far as a data analytics capability and defining that strategy and that roadmap go what in your opinion then james are the the kind of the key considerations um in terms of creating that data strategy and um, you know making it making it work making it stick yeah no absolutely so um what i won't i won't do here is go into kind of the wheeze in terms of the kind of the technical detail but but in terms of i mean i had a good think about this before 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 we spoke and came up with about eight different steps which have been common well common to the work i've done and common to when i've advised people as well um and like the very first thing, as I've already mentioned, actually, is you you know in order to develop a day strategy in a greenfield situation that works, you have to be business first, um, and you have to see that data is an enabler, in the same way that IT is an enabler or, or finance is an enabler in a business, data is another enabler, and I'd, I would actually be really I'm really ruthless about that. So saying you know we have to know what value we are driving up front now we might not get that right but at least we've got to start somewhere um and that's about valuing the size of the size of the prize work you know so if you can come in and say we are going to point ourselves at a 40 million pound opportunity customer acquisition or whatever it might be that gives you something to aim at and it also means that you get listened to i mean it puts you on the hook and they have to you know yeah that's part of it so so that's the first first thing but then i would also say that um you know, a data strategy is not just a strategy, it is about action. Um, you know, and for me, the kind of, I suppose, the value, creating the value and the insights that come from your analytics to drive that value is the payoff of a good, good data strategy. But you've got to balance the long-term vision. So you have an end goal. You have a, some people call it a target state, but you have a place where you want to be. But you need those steps along the way to get there. But you also... And the top the top tip here is you need quick wins and very pragmatic quick wins that might be a bit dirty and delivered fast, uh, a bit ugly sometimes, and and often you just work with what resources you've already got in place. So the best thing to do is not say I'm not doing anything until we've invested X Y Z. No, just use what you got. If it's still in Excel or whatever it is, and it's still ugly because mm. it can still drive value. Yeah. Do it. Yeah, you know it's really interesting that piece because I think. Um, you know, naturally, given my day job, I speak to hundreds of, of kind of data leadership figures, if you will. And um, the one thing that's always constant is around trying to, you know, make sure it's business first and the data strategy supports that. Um, but secondly, is all about quick wins, like yeah. pro- prove to the business as quickly as you can that this works. And I think a lot of businesses, especially ones now that ironically are in that greenfield situation, they want to go through this whole almost big kind of program of work. That's a transformation where they're going to invest, you know, millions, hundreds of millions, whatever the case may be in a new tech stack and, you know, try and do it all in one big piece. And ultimately, you know, that can take, 
years. And by the time they've got to that point, everyone's fell off the cart and no one's bothered anymore, you know, Um, whereas you can go in and do something that's, it might be really minuscule, but if you can, you know, move the needle by 0.1 of a percent and you prove, okay, well, this actually works, then you start to get that buying quicker. That seems to be a constant theme, which, um, you know, so no surprise that you've kind of keyed off with them too, really. Yeah, no no problem. Um, I suppose the other one for me as well is, is, uh, and this is might be personal to me, is be a salesperson. (laughs) (laughs) And I imagine some people go, oh my God, I didn't get into data to be a, to be a salesman or saleswoman. But, but what I mean by that is that, and, and again, this is a very common theme. Now, it's the way I see it as being a salesperson. Other people might take it differently. They might say about being a communicator or whatever, but it's about getting buy-in, you know. Um, and, you know, I've been accused of being Mr. Jazz Hands more than one occasion in a, in a, in a business, but spending my time schmoozing. But it's quite important. <laughs> it's quite important to do that. Um, you need to communicate your successes, but you also need to communicate your plan and what you're going to do. Now, that is a sales job. Obviously, it's an internal sales job. And okay, I, I I built those skills from helping other organizations and telling them why they need a data strategy, but ultimately it is sales. Um and it, and there's a lot that can be learned from that approach. Yeah, absolutely. I guess quick question then, because I guess there's probably a number of people thinking this from from that perspective and you know, playing the jazz hands, being the salesperson. From your experience, who do you typically need to be selling to yeah. to get the ultimate buy-in? And I know that's so, probably not a, an easy question to, to answer, and there's probably no. never one singular right answer. But um, you know, if you were to advise, go and try and get these people on board, who who would that be? So, um, yeah, I would say there, in my experience, I mean, you've got, yes, you can go and speak to the CEO, but the CEO often has other, you know, they've, they've got the whole enterprise to look after. Yeah, so there's people that need to be sorting stuff out. So they need to be on board. CEO isn't informed. So I mean, I've, I, you know, my my, uh, so most recently I see him every month. Or you know, we'll spend a bit of time, keep him updated what I'm doing. That's great. Off I go. But the the people you really need to are, are those that enable you. So IT, IT enables data. Mm-hmm. Um, so doing that sales job, doing that jazz hands, and getting very friendly with your IT mates is like it's very important the other the other it depends on the organization in my experience actually it's a cfo normally that you need to also be doing that with because they hold the purse strings um and obviously they're going to hold you to task as well because you need to deliver a return of value um on on what on what your you know whatever kit or whatever additional people you think you need to bring into the business mm-hmm. But it, it's those particularly, and you may, you know, other organisations may find it might be a CMO or whatever or a, a COO. But I would say your CTO and your CFO yep. are the two you want on 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 your um on your side. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, it's it's really interesting because naturally, yes, you know, everyone says go and get the CEO on board because if he's on board, you know, that that kind of everything trickles down from there, and I get that. But as you say, that's probably easier said than done. Um, yeah. The CFO makes complete sense because, you know, at some point you're going to go to him with your handout asking for something. And, um, you know, I'm sure that makes it easier if you're, if you're friendly. But the bit that intrigued me the most was around, you know, the enablers, the, you know, technology, the IT team, because the amount of businesses that I speak to, you know, that uh, their number one frustration for their data leader is being able to get access to their own data to, to do their job, which, you know, for me, I, I kind of, it kind of blows my mind a little bit, really, that you, you know, you're the, you're the most senior person from a data standpoint, yet you can't get access to that data to, to do your day job. So, I mean, it doesn't surprise me again to hear you kind of say that, but um, I guess it's probably not something that a lot of people always think about until it's possibly too late. Yeah. And, you know, when they're kind of going asking and figuring out and probably should have done more earlier. You're right. You need to nail it early because the, the your, your CTO often, certainly big organizations, there's a lot of other fish to fry, Yeah. clearly. Uh, they've got systems to run and what have you, um, and they've got project management principles that you know they might not be. They might be more of the old waterfall type approach rather than the agile approach that you, the data person, you probably you'd rather have. So there's a lot of things you need to work out in terms of territory with them, um, and it's about helping helping each other. And one way of helping the IT guys is understanding their problems and understanding the fact that yeah, we know you need all that data, but you know what, we've got these horrific challenges 
in our, our soul systems, for example. Um, and that's that trying to develop that collaboration. Uh, and 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 ultimately, when things don't go necessarily right, and things don't always go right, and the company points back at the data people and the IT people, you don't want to be pointing at each other. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, because you you are, you are hand in hand. Yeah, it's, it's so important. Mm. Um, and actually, it, to be fair, that kind of uh, crosses quite quickly into another area, which I think is really important: is defining the role of data in the organisation. So. You know, it's one of the other top tips with data strategy is very clearly defining what your role is, where you play. Um, and it is actually, particularly in regard to the IT, uh, where it's needed for most. In, in, in a lot of cases, there is a, there's a, there are very similar skill sets and similar outlooks, the shared teams sometimes between data people and IT. So you need to get that nailed very, very quickly. Um, and, and also there's the, an area which is very difficult sometimes to deal with is, and I hate, I hate talking about data owners, and I know we need data stewards in the organization, but my, my, belief, my true belief is that everyone is the owner of data because we all need to enable it. But you do need someone, and this is a bit pat, but you maybe need, so you do need someone sometimes in charge of the zeros and ones, which yes. is IT, and someone is in charge of, the, of turning that raw material into commercial decisions, which I would say personally i would say is the role of a head of data or a cdo or, or similar so it's that distinction that needs work fairly early on mm. yeah interesting um i've also the other area that i think is probably worth talking about is literacy culture yep. so um you know that this is something that doesn't happen overnight uh but it's something that you need to work on in your plans early doors now, I say, you know, if you're in a startup situation, you might find, I mean, so many startups regard themselves as tech and data enabled from day one. The kind of, I suppose, the literacy and the culture is kind of born from day one. But in most organizations, it's, it, in reality, it's not, is it? Mm, no. <laughs> um, you know, and, and for me, there's various techniques you can use there. One is actually getting the insights into the hands of business users fairly promptly, which is standard, standard almost probably a standard response. You know, and that's where visualization can be very, very helpful. Now, in those cases, you don't want to give people everything. You need to give them enough to make their decisions. Um, but the area I really love is about how you kind of foster data champions from early, uh, or whatever you want to call them, you know, super users or your data champions from day one. Um, and that's about bringing everyone on board with your journey. So if you can find someone in, I don't know, marketing or CRM or finance or operations, who becomes effectively your data wing person? <laughs> yeah. Then you bring them along, you yeah. know, and that's really key. Yeah, absolutely. I know, obviously, there's kind of eight steps that you're outlining here, James, and um, I'd love to kind of delve into each one in as much detail. But obviously, I think um, we'd probably be here for about a three hour yeah, episode if we did that. But I guess, really intriguing point there around the literacy piece, because that's something that I think most organizations struggle with, to be honest with you, um, and, and probably holds them holds them back, I guess, on the point of identifying data champions or, or super users. Um, how do you go about doing that? How, how does a business identify, yeah, this person is on our page and we can kind of really use this person to drive our agenda wider, further, faster, so on? Yeah. Uh, well, sometimes they present themselves quite early because they just, right. I mean, I've been in places that go, thank God we've got someone who's looking at data. So <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you find them immediately. You know, there's a pent-up demand. Yeah. And yeah. in, in some organizations, you walk in as a consultant or if you're if you're running run, running the data show, you do get that straight away. Um, but otherwise, it's actually a case of um, getting get all the people that kind of matter around data and who, who use it in their data, data they work very early looking at their use cases. So if you can map up your data ecosystem from fairly early, which is a great thing to do, by the way, and there's, yeah. there's lots of nice techniques for it. But if you, can, if you, get, you get people involved to map out the part they play, map out where the technology is, map out where the processes are, where the transfer, where data moves from A to B, who does what, and then start to sort of then say, well, what are the use cases and how do they, you know, how do they compare, which are their priorities and so on. Once you do that piece of work, you then think you do, you get people excited, you get people on board, 
Um, and then you you uh, you tend to find fairly naturally that people present again present themselves as kind of saying right, I need to get the CRM side sorted because it's horrific, for example, and and, yeah. and then you you start to get them on board. The trick then is making sure you then serve them. Yeah. <laughs> <They're> yeah. Food, <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fine. So what what are we up to now? That's point six five. Uh, probably yeah. I'll, I'll do these somewhere near that. I'll do the I'll do the. I've got two more. I think. No, that's um, fine. Cool. If so, um, what one thing I would just mentioned as well is never never underestimate the power of and the importance of data governance in your in your data strategy now it mm-hmm. is the arguably the and people there are get you know there are data governance people out there who do this as their job so i'm not i'm not going to go at them but it is the least sexy area um and people people tend to go oh my god when when we talk about it but without if you haven't got your processes and your uh, systems and your data quality right your analytics will never fly now that is quite hard to sell because often it seems it's almost seen as backroom work, but it's so important and, mm. and 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 you have to communicate that to leadership saying you know what there's a lot of work we need to do on the foundations before we can release release the product. Yeah, you know that's yeah. uh, it's a tough one. Yeah, it's really interesting because I think um, as you rightly say, you know, rightly or wrongly, it is seen as less sexy as some of the other more you know analytics and and yeah. and analytics roles and, and things like that but um yeah as you rightly say if, if all that's not being governed properly and the quality is not there and so on and so forth then you know you're making it really difficult for yourself to yeah. prove you know to produce anything that's actually going to be accurate and prove real real value um it's almost in the past been kind of a bit of a almost like regulatory hasn't it like this is just a thing yeah. that we do you know kind of because we have to type of thing um as opposed to being really important so it's really good to see you know you putting that on the map and saying look this has to be in place for yeah. it to work so it, yeah. it does and you know it might sound like the data police some people treat it like that <laughs> but 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 at the same time if you don't mention it up front when you do get problems in your analytics and your models and things falling over down the line it's a very difficult thing to then say oh actually we haven't actually spent much time looking at the foundations and getting things right um you, mm. you set yourself up for a fall i think if you if you if you don't so yeah that's uh, that, that's a really important one um and, and lastly to be fair is one is it's really about the business it's about the kind of the jazz hands again really but data for me needs a seat at the top table it really does and and i think more businesses are getting there um but you are you do still often find that the data lead is sitting below or someone else who might not be a sort of a data native and that can be a difficult place to exist in to mm-hmm. be honest because you, you still find it hard to influence but you know getting the seat at the top table isn't easy but one of the one of the ways of doing it is through that process of selling in and trying to make yourself the most useful people in the building or the virtual building where we are these days but you know getting your hands involved in all sorts putting your hand up trying to become and the data should be indispensable but some companies don't see it like that so you need to really really focus on getting that seat at the top table it's really interesting and i guess that's probably a, a piece that i think we probably should delve into a little bit deeper but um i guess i'll come back to the why why is that the case uh, in a second but it's really interesting for me to hear you say that just because you're not the top person you know not at the top table even if you are the most senior person in data that you can't make it there by being valuable to to, to the kind of people that are at that top table um because i think there's this you know evidently a misconception that well if i'm if i'm not the cdo or you know, if, if I'm not involved in those discussions, then I've kind of kind of got to suck that up. And, um, you know, obviously data is is not important on the agenda of the business. And that's, as you know, that's not always the case in every organization. But it's really interesting to hear you say, look, you, you can get a seat at the top table. You can be invited to those discussions. You've just got to, you know, force your agenda, I guess. A little. Yeah, you do. And, and you've got to force, you've got to force, um, by force that agenda, you've got to force the decisions that you can, decision making side of it so yes i can help you in marketing i can help you in finance and help you in operations so trying to get to the top table to talk about data governance <laughs> good luck <laughs> um but if you, you want to get to the top table and say look listen we can help us find x more customers you'll get yeah. listened to so yes the data governance has got to get you there but you keep that you yeah. just make you know you keep that behind a little bit but that it's about that element it's about being useful yeah um and again, that's just 
<laughs> so much going around schmoozing everyone, but it yeah. is a bit, there's a lot of that that needs to go on. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and that makes absolute sense. So I guess the other part of this then is, in your experience and from what you're seeing, and obviously, you know, we'll get into you, your personal situation at the end, but you're looking at other things given the situation you find yourself in with within two. Why do you feel it is that even organizations, because there's some organizations out there that have a CDO that still don't have a seat at the top table that report through a finance or a tech or a marketing or whatever the case may be. And uh, I guess my view is that the data agenda is always going to have a specific lens on it, if that makes sense. You know, if you sit under finance, it's always got a finance lens or marketing, it's got a marketing lens and it never has its own centralized lens that it's looking at to, you know, across the entire enterprise. So why, why, from your experience, do you think, has there been any kind of, you know, common trends or or themes that you've noticed that kind of it's this type of business or that type of business that this happens to, um, or, you know, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. So it's an interesting one. I think it's, um, I, I kind of related to the organizations that really drive forward data are those that also, I mean, my experience is mainly with consumer focused businesses, to be fair, but it's those that have got a very, very strong customer proposition and, you know, are very focused on customer experience because they're at the sharp end of trying to use decisions to improve that experience so they can make more money (laughs) at the end of the day. And I think it's those businesses, in my experience, where really promote and value data because they see it as the key to making better decisions. Um, in, in, I have seen it in, in, in other places. It's kind of seen, seen as something of an afterthought, and it gets kind of bogged down in reporting. Um, and that's not a great place for it to be because, yes, reporting visualization of insight is important because you're enabling people to do their jobs more effectively. But for me, that's about operational efficiency. It just means people can make decisions faster. They've yeah. got the information they need, but there are organizations and, and, and it is worth, it's something I'm always thinking about. And I don't think I have the entire answer to is they end up saying, well, your end goal is to just get us better reports. And that's not for me. Mm-hmm. That's not, that's not, that's not where day strategy is, yeah. is, is, is failed. Yeah, no, at that, that point, that makes sense, and probably very ironic that you've mentioned that because I was uh, having a conversation yesterday with, I guess, someone at that level who, um, you know, data reports through finance in that business, and he kind of said the challenge that um, they had when he joined the business was that you know the CFO was kind of like we've been building reports for this business for a hundred years and you know your profession's been you know as it stands today around for five or ten years so you know who are you guys to come in and start telling us what we should be doing type of thing which is really interesting because as you say it's i guess it's how how data is viewed from its literal form in terms of what it's there to do um, and, and if you know businesses are just looking at this is you know you can give us the information we need a bit a bit quicker it's probably not going to work right in terms of improving it's customer not. experience and increasing profitability and sales and so on and so forth. So, okay. No, yeah. That makes sense. I guess, obviously you've highlighted these eight steps and, and kind of what, what the benefits are. Um, I guess if you were to put kind of a, a, a finer point on that in terms of what you feel the core benefits are of getting it right as early as possible. If you would stand and say, look, if you do this and you get this nailed as quickly as you can, these are the key things that you're going to see in terms of, you know, favorable outcomes for you. Yeah, that's uh, a good question. And I think, um, you know, like I said before, the good, a good data strategy is not an artifact. It's not something that's sort of designed to then gather dust and this live program of work. So it needs to act like that. Um, you know, that main job for me is about starting to prioritize and understand the backlog of use cases that you've got in the business those that drive the the highest value so the core benefit of the data strategy is escalating certain use cases faster than perhaps they would have been if we hadn't shone the light on them yeah for example mm-hmm. and only with doing that piece of work of understanding how data will enable that those whatever that decision might be i keep going back to say a customer acquisition marketing one because that's my kind of background but you know, you need something which is highly tangible to the business as an immeasurable return on investment of that piece of effort. And, and that's the core benefit because it really sharpens the arrow, I suppose, on decisions the, or the, the tip of the arrow. And then sort of in a less practical sense, I think it's about, it's about buy-in. So the core aim of a day strategy very, very early on has to be about getting people to buy in and trust it. Now, it isn't 
it takes a little bit of time, but it doesn't necessarily need to take that long for people to trust your data strategy because fundamentally most people want one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no one's going to say, really, oh, we don't need it. It sounds crazy. Why would you do that? You know, it's it, they, they need it. So um, there is a cultural win that you can get fairly early on. It's one of the core benefits of data strategy is getting people started on that road, becoming more of a data savvy organization. Um, and for me, culture is the one thing that makes or breaks many things, including the data strategy. Uh, but it's also the thing that will move, move the dial most significantly is getting people bought in and understanding what you're doing. So mm. for me, those are kind of two core benefits, I'd say, that you want to really land fast. Okay, interesting. And I guess um, kind of the key or the, the main obstacles that someone's probably going to run into when they're, they're trying to kind of, um, you know, develop and, and kind of implement this data strategy? Well, there's there's quite, a, I mean, there are quite a few. I mean, there's people obstacles as well, which you get, and that's all about the jazz hands and the selling in and, and that. None of that's necessarily easy. But there's two that there's two that I see the whole time that I mentioned. One is the tech-led trap. Okay? And that is so easy to fall into. Is that our data strategy becomes about, tech first you know and there's a million one vendors out there who do have great kit by the way a lot, a lot of them which are, which are important and i've used a lot of it but you don't want to be leading your data strategy by saying hang on i need for example i need to um i need to resolve my customer data problem i just going to get myself a customer data platform yeah right? yeah you might need one somewhere down the line to help you with your audience management but you're not going to do it from day one and a lot of organizations fall into that and you know, we've talked in the past, Carl, about the issues of job descriptions and so on, about tech first data mm-hmm. um, strategies is, is, is a really is a thing that will, will lead to failure, I'm afraid. And the last thing is try not to get lost in the hype. So, you know, a lot of people will be saying, oh, excellent, data strategy. Now we can go and do machine learning, artificial intelligence. <laughs> going, Hang on. We don't even know where our spreadsheets are. It's like yeah. that piece there is... You know, and there are organizations that are doing fantastic things with the machine learning algorithms. Some of them are against some AI, not many, but in certainly the sort of the you know that the kind of decision analytics, fantastic work going on. But you've got to be very careful not to rush to that area first because you need to get the basics done. And you can get honestly, you I've got this what you get 70% of the job done through good old-fashioned business analytics before you start to sharpen the tools. Yeah. Yeah, through through this decision analytics later. So yeah, that is, yeah. those are some pitfalls. But. Interesting last point there, and I guess before, we'll try to to wrap this up now. But do you feel that this need to be or this perceived need, where people feel that they, you know, they're trying to run before they can walk, you know, they go into this whole data piece without you know much of a capability, and especially if they're in a more of a greenfield environment from a data standpoint, and their view of data is machine learning and AI. You know, we want to implement this to, to kind of get the outcomes and all of the stuff that comes before it has not really been thought about too much. Do you think that the appetite for that is what's driving the tech-led decisions? You know, because obviously there's a whole, as you said, there's a whole host of kit out there, whatever you're looking at for whatever purpose, but especially nowadays in the world of AI, there's so much noise and certain tools and techniques and all that type of stuff where, you know, the, the kind of pop up, it's a off the shelf play for, for, for AI instantly. Um, and obviously, as you said, it doesn't always work. So do you think that that's driving the tech or do you think the the ability to get the tech is driving the appetite to, to go and do some of the, you know, to, to run before you can walk effectively? Uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, it, it, it is. It is around the fact that there's an enormous, enormous amount of chat in the market around great new ways. It is very much tech-led. Um, there's an element of that. There's an element of advanced data science and analytics, which is very important. But there's a lot of conversations around that, which people I think get sucked into. And I think particularly when you you're starting out a greenfield situation, you may have people that are making decisions around data that they're not native to that. They'll suddenly think, well, hang on. We need to be in this game. We need to be in this game now. And in actual fact, you know, it's like it's, it is honestly like going out and buying a six thousand pound, you know, road bike before you can actually ride. Yeah. Like you yeah. need a hundred quid. Bike you need stabilizers on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> and it, it is a bit like that. To be yeah. fair, I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit crude, but it, it is really like that. So I think, I think it is, it is a lot of chat in the market. A lot, there's a lot of great stuff that's happening out there, but 
you know, you can actually improve your competitive advantage by making relatively small tweaks in the way that you understand your customers, for example, the way you model them, which doesn't necessarily require you running headlong into a whole lot of very expensive kit, sometimes some very expensive staff. Yeah. Uh, and I have seen situations where people will buy in the data scientists and then leave them there. And and and, and, and it's a terrible situation because people are not being used properly. The skills aren't getting used. They've been left to kind of, you know, simply sink really because suddenly yeah. the natural fact we need to actually sort out data governance, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So that's why you need to plan. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. Yeah, I think, and, and that's the thing that you see an awful lot is businesses going to that because as you said there is so much hype and chat in the market about that type of stuff and it's you know these industry buzzwords that are that are cool to be kind of talking about or perceived to be to be doing and ultimately it's just led to everyone jumping on this bandwagon um you know and uh yeah not uh not overly productive i guess so okay well look Really appreciate your time, James. Very, very insightful and hugely relevant, I guess, given everything that's going on. Uh, I guess just to kind of draw this to a close and bring bring it back to what we were discussing earlier about yourself. Um, obviously, on the lookout for a new venture. Uh, I think you've got, what, you say five or six weeks left it into before, um, be- before it's kind of completely gone. Um, what are you looking for? How can people get hold of you? You know, what are the things that are going to excite you? Yeah, no, no. Oh, thanks for me the opportunity for a little advert. Yeah, but, well, uh, <laughs> so, you know, if people haven't listened to what I've said today, you know, you'll get the impression that I love the end-to-end data strategy. Um, and I've seen it so many times that I really move the needle for a business. Um, I am a pragmatic and kind of fairly no-nonsense type as well, so I won't get lost in the hype. See what I mean? I'm trying not mm-hmm. to. But, you know, what I'm after really is, is, is you know, an organisation that needs that commercially savvy leader to champion their data and insight, you know, take us from hopefully a greenfield situation, build that plan, land that plan, put the teams in the capability. And that that's really where I excel. And that's kind of the place I am now in my career. Um, I must say, I do like the medium-sized businesses. I've got to say I've got a preference for that because you kind of, you can, you, you can add, you can, you can land greater value faster. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, obviously you've got less politics, but well, there's always politics. You have less red tape, all the rest of it. But, you know, if people want to get in contact with me, um, I am sometimes being grumpy on LinkedIn. Uh, sometimes not, obviously. Fueled, fueled by me most of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are an enabler. So, that. <laughs> um, so LinkedIn is a great place to, to, to reach out. Otherwise, I'm sort of generally lurking at the back of my garden feeding our chickens. So yeah. <laughs> I suggest LinkedIn. Fair enough. Fine. Um, well, James, look, thank you so much for coming on. It's been uh, it's been a delight and a pleasure, and um, very insightful. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people be able to uh, utilize a lot of these uh, insights. So we appreciate uh, your time, and thank you very much for coming on. And we'll speak to you soon. My pleasure. Thanks, All right. Cheers, James. Thanks. Bye. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then. Please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like, and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these too. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back next week.